Welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital, people like you and me. Now here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson. Welcome back to Diverse Tech Founders Media. Really excited for today's episode where we're on site in Orlando, Florida with Jonathan, mentor of Successment, and we're going to get into it like we always do, but just as a brief introduction, uh, Jonathan and I uh, first started corresponding on LinkedIn because he's a growth expert, taking people from 1 million in revenue to 10 million, which caught not just my attention, but a lot of other people's. So we're going to get into it because there's a lot of new terms that we will likely unpack today, uh, which we'll get into in a moment. But for now, we're going to start where we normally start, which is to get to know the person behind the company before they got here. So, John, the first question right out of the gate, uh, we are going straight to you and your childhood self and whether childhood you would be friends with you today. Uh, so we've been catching up over the last uh, 24 hours, uh, getting to know each other much better. Uh, so start wherever you feel comfortable, but talk to us about childhood you and if childhood you would be friends to us today because... It's going to give us some context into how you got to where you got to, but let's get to know each other better. Okay. <laughs> so childhood me, I honestly, and I could say this very confidently, that childhood me would probably be, I would probably be childhood me's superhero and role model. Honestly. And I can say that with full, with full confidence because like I mentioned to you earlier, Abraham, like. I really am like, <laughs> like I'm a big ass kid now. Like I have all of like the stupid shiny stuff that I wanted when I was growing up. And I spoke to you about like how and why me growing up in New York City, poor humble average, you know, growing up in a mixture of like hip hop culture, Latino culture, black culture, which is super duper flashy and super duper like, how can I say this? Uh, status focused, right? Like all these status symbols and stuff. It's like, that's the other American dream. We express it differently. So now I get to have a lot of fun, not only being successful, like financially, but in terms of like my purpose, where I am as far as my relationship with self, my relationship with my business community, my relationship with my peers, my relationship with my daughter, family, only thing I'm missing is a husband. Shout out to you. Look me up. I got great pictures. But other than that, like, yeah, like childhood me would be like, yo, Jonathan, like, let's chill. <laughs> Appreciate that. So you said New York. And obviously we got to ask which borough and what was it like for you growing up in New York? Because you're not there now. So how did the New Yorker in you develop and, you know, kind of what aspect of your, uh, you know, New York upbringing are you bringing down here? Talk about how New York, the city, shaped you. <laughs> so I'm from the same borough as Cardi B. Holla at me, baby. <laughs> now, let me get serious. So I grew up between the Bronx and Dykeman, which is like a really big street in Washington Heights, right? So Little Dominican Republic, heavy Dominican influence, even though I consider myself first black. And then I say, you know, a mix. So I'm, I'm black, Haitian. I'm Latino, I'm queer, I was born poor. It's like a lot of intersectional shit. So me growing up through my unique experience, the New Yorker in me came out in a way that exudes confidence, it exudes directness, it exudes purposefulness. It's contagious, it's energetic, it's charming, it's, um, it's easy to relate to. And 
And everywhere I go from the moment people see, they can see me from across the street. They're like, that guy's from New York. As soon as I open my mouth, that guy's from New York. I could be silent and just body language. You know, you could see me with a mute button on, you'll know that I'm from New York. And that's traveled with me. It's actually really done me well because of the aggressive nature with which I pursue business. I soften it with intentionality and with empathy, but the speed that of which I move and the expectations that I set for the people that I work with, whether you're a partner, whether you're a client, whether you're a mentee, whether you're a channel partner, whether you're a VC, whether you're just a passerby, it's like, let us pursue our goals aggressively and measure them and make sure that if we can't win today, we're moving in the direction of a win tomorrow. That's the New Yorker. I mean, that's how it manifests every day, even here in sleepy Orlando, Florida. Okay. So speaking of aggressive, you have, if I can say this, a windy road to get to where you are right now. You weren't always uh, who you are today with success. You had a journey and it built you and it shaped you. How did you go from New York to Orlando? And I specifically want to, to hear you represent how you were able to navigate your journey and then to get here in entrepreneurship. I know that's vague intentionally so, so you can give us the details. So you talk about like geographically, how I got from New York to Orlando? Professionally. Professionally. Okay. So I'm Black, Latinx, queer, born in New York, born very ordinary, without any special resources, role models, or blueprints for who it is that I became today. That's the first ingredient of Jonathan. The second is that I'm a three-time college dropout. I did really well at business courses. Everything else was kind of like, this is boring. I was always like very interested in like pursuing my passions and doing big ideas, building things, right? So my journey from who I was to who I am came in waves. And I remember the first example of that was like me being really, really young, being obsessed with dogs. And my mother didn't want a dog. And so I did, I like stopped everything that I was doing to sit there and learn everything that I could about dogs to try to convince my mother like, these are all your objections, and I'm going to tell you why we should get a dog and why it's going to be wonderful. What's stopping you from getting us a dog with all this great information? And she's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, go to hell. I don't want a dog. That's it. I'm the parent. You're the kid. So I was like, okay. The second wave and manifestation came to me when I realized that I was really good at understanding what people wanted, and that's very different from what people need. What's an example of that? What's an example of that? Because I can relate to it, but I want to know how that manifested in your life. Meaning the difference between a want and a need? Yeah, and how you were able to give that to people. The difference between a want and a need is sometimes people need to hear certain things to give themselves permission to destroy a limiting belief. And that can happen in a single sentence, in a single conversation. It happened to me. When? So I recognize it. Much later in the journey, I was actually living in Miami at the time. And I was three and a half-ish years into my entrepreneurial journey. And I was suffering from entrepreneur's anxiety, that whole imposter syndrome, where I was like, yo, I have this successful business. Yes, I have this track record. Yes, things are good. Yes, I'm making the most money that I've ever made in my life. Yes, my clients are happy. Yes, they're not even clients. This is community. My Man, I know my clients' wives' names. I know my clients' kids names i know their birthdays i know their favorite fucking color i know their fears i know their limiting beliefs right that's the kind of community that i build with success when it's not just a business it's a business with a purpose i'll get into that later but i remember knowing these things and seeing them very clearly in miami at this stage in my journey but still there was another part of me that was always looking around like 
oh my God, where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? And that where's it coming from was is when am I going to fail? Like when is this whole success thing going to turn over on its back? And when, when am I going to go plummeting back to the ghetto in the Bronx? Either having to do bartending or having to do fold clothes in a store, be a barista in Starbucks, and how is that going to affect my daughter? And, you know, it was going to be painful for me. As superficial as it sounds, I don't give a fuck because I'm me. I'm going to have to give up all these wonderful things that I was able to buy and this lifestyle that I've been able to curate. And I remember I shared that belief, that, that kind of anxiety with a really good friend of mine at the time. And she listened carefully because she had been an entrepreneur for far longer than me. And, and she was like, understand that you've arrived at a different space in your life. That previous life, it no longer exists. It would be impossible unless you were seriously asleep at the wheel for you to plummet all the way back down that flight of stairs, you know? So you need to let go of the fact that something is coming that's going to take away the success and the positivity and the community and the brand that you built between yourself and successment and start looking towards the future, amplify your growth and lean into it. Because if you're constantly thinking about like, oh my God, when is this good thing going to end? And you're constantly looking for a back door. That's energy that you're wasting looking at the back door instead of laser focusing on the future. And in that one full swoop, that one conversation, I remember it was at Nova Cove, Miami. We were looking at beautiful ocean, beautiful. She like, it vanished. In that one, I was like, I needed to hear that, Paulina, so fucking bad. And you know what? When I still see clients or anyone in my ecosystem, professionally or personally, suffer with that limiting belief, I'm very good at knowing what it is that they need to hear to find the inspiration to put that away and continue moving forward. I love that. And we're very much in the present now with what you've learned, you know, in the last three and a half years with Successment. But you had a foray, you had a bridge in the technology. Talk to us about when you first started to touch technology uh, in the in the way that you are right now, specifically, you know, the marketing background. Like, tell us that story that you have for when you were in New York doing your thing and then you made that transition, if you don't mind. Okay, so... Picture the mindset at this time. It's many, many years ago. Don't ask what I went. I don't know. But many, many years ago, I'm behind a Starbucks bar. I'm preparing a cup of coffee. And in the back of my head is always running. And this is a truly entrepreneurial thing. There's always something running undercurrent, under the surface. Under the surface, I remember I was working on the Upper East Side. And I saw a number of extremely liberated, empowered, wealthy people with fucking Afghan hounds and mink coats and diamonds and all these status symbols, just, man, it was so inspiring to be so close, that proximity to wealth and success. And I would always be like, in the back of my head, very quietly, I would always say, why them and not you? It's damn sure not because they're white, because I see plenty of black people in here. I see plenty of Latinos in here. The common denominator, they all got motherfucking money. And it's the middle of the day that they're moseying on into Starbucks to lazily meander with a frozen latte. It was so facetious. To me, it said to me, you are extremely privileged. And it wasn't intimidating, it was inspiring. And it was a very quiet voice that always reminded me of that in the back of my head. And I said, I would love to build community with these people. It was ambitious. So I remember behind that bar one day, someone came in and they started cursing at their phone. Damn, what the fuck, oh my God, white guy. White bro, white as can be, California surfer, looking dude. 
And I was like, hey, man, what's up? What happened? I just lost money on this investment, man. Like, yo, I, you know, all this money it was like down this and this and this percent. And at the time, you know, even though I was just as a Starbucks barista, I knew a thing or two about investing. So I gave him some piece of advice. And the way that his face reacted to someone like me giving him advice, it almost, he looked at me and it, it, like his face read something like, who the fuck do you think you are to give me that advice? Make my coffee and like... I need to go about my day. Like, who the hell, like, who are you? He didn't want to hear from you. He, I could tell it was unspoken. And in that moment right there, I said, fuck that shit. You're not going to look at me like I'm fucking stupid. I'm in transition. And the growth that, sh- that you're going to witness from me one day, you're going to feel so stupid for not taking my advice. And if I can teleport back to that moment and sit there on the other side of the counter with him and say, my little piece of advice that I wanted to give you when I was wearing a motherfucking Starbucks hat could have made you $10 million today. But guess what, asshole? You don't get that version of me. You get the Starbucks me. In that moment, I decided, no, there needs to be a change. So I need to find my way out of this shit. And step by step by step, I penetrated corporate. How? 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 I, um, through my mom, actually. My mom was working at, like, an insurance firm. An insurance broker firm, whatever. And I was like, yo, I need to just get in. Like, I just, I don't need to be in retail. I need to learn some kind of business. Just, like, whatever you want. Like, let me just get in. Never worked in corporate before? Never. Okay. So, you're talking to somebody, you have to talk about culture. It's a big shift to go from hourly labor and what I want to say is, like, repetitive work. And listen, for anybody listening, I don't want to minimize your value wherever you are in life because you matter and you are capable of doing whatever the hell you put your mind to. Trust and believe. And if you don't, call me. But it's work that's not particularly important. It's not hard. It's not challenging. The challenge is is having to do the same thing on repeat every day and not challenge anything about yourself, right? So understand that the mindset of what was valuable in that work setting to now knowledge work which is what is valuable in an office setting, it damn near gave me an anxiety attack because I didn't understand what was happening to my life. And it was shifting. So fast forward a little bit, that chapter of my life was called learn how to do business, learn business acumen, understand the value of a calendar, understand how to appropriately communicate, how do you sell, How do you manage an account? How do you network? How do you convince? How do you build value? How do you travel from state to state and deal with different clients? How do you put solutions together for them? What words to use? What words not to use? What was appropriate? What wasn't appropriate? That to me, like that was like world breaking. It took me a long time to understand what that was. At the same time, there was something that was dimming my flame. And many years later, I learned that it was a severe case of code switching. Like, baby, we talking about severe. And it was an internal and an external pressure. So you didn't sound like you sound right now, baby. No. Mm-mm. I would code switch every mother thing about myself. I would conceal my accent. I would cover every single tattoo. I wouldn't put waves in my hair. I wouldn't get a fade. I wouldn't put cuts in my eyebrow. I wouldn't let my jewelry show. I was always trying... To follow that mantra of dress for the job you want. And baby, I wanted to be a CEO. And my vision of a CEO at the time was, because this was an Italian-American run company. So Italians, they're kind of flashy compared to others, 
right? So my vision of what a CEO looked like back then was you're in a Cuccinelli suit, you're in an Hermes tie with a pocket square, you're in some flawless motherfucking Italian shoes and you're walking around with your head high and you're saying the least amount possible with the largest impact, with the biggest vocabulary words that you could, completely clean cut, and you know your shit backwards and forwards. That's who I wanted to be and that's why I was channeling. But what I didn't realize was is there are several ways to be CEO. There are several ways to become a leader. There are several ways to be a category influencer or provocateur. And at the time, I was spending so much energy trying to be what I thought I needed to be to be really successful that I wasn't giving my 100% to filling the seat of where I am now. So what ended up happening was, is that, again, that chapter was called Learning the Business World. So then after a while, as invariably, if you're a true entrepreneur, you know this feeling all too well. You kind of finish one chapter. You're like, okay, what's next? What else can I make? What else can I build? So I got all these wonderful ideas about what I could be doing to bring more revenue, growth, visibility, just more innovation to the role that I was in at the time. And I was shut down so devastatingly because I was really young and enthusiastic and excited and purposeful and thirsty for direction. And I didn't know where to channel all of this energy. And my manager at the time was such a nasty, a Karen, that me looking back, I know that she was intimidated because she was old and out of touch. And I was young and I was hungry and searching and challenging and unafraid and unintimidated and unselfconscious about not knowing enough to be discussing what I was discussing. But you damn well know that I had a research, you know, I had an article or two, a couple of metrics that I was going to say, we should be doing this. This is the reason why. And she just shot me out of the sky. So I said, you know, I'm going to focus this in a different direction and you're going to regret it. And this is the second wave where if you remember the story about the Starbucks, I wish I can go back to that moment in time and tell her, you're about to make a huge mistake because I know how to build, at the very least, if not greater, $10 million businesses. You should have listened, but guess what? You don't get that version of me. Phase two. There was a great deal of energy that was focused on code switching at the time and presenting a version of myself that split me down the middle, and that's very, very painful. Something that Black Latin, females, queers, indigenous people, immigrants, we don't speak about the emotional debt that that causes over time. That's a whole different conversation, but it was still present in me and I didn't recognize it as a problem yet. My job at this time was to put together, it was a broker solutions. So I was brokering solutions for the end client, which was HR. And as part of me being really searching and curious and challenging and fearless in that role, I said, you know, you're trying to solve these problems and you're used to looking at it this way, but guess what? These technologies can solve it that way and it's actually really cost effective. Do you want to give it a try? And they were just like, oh my God, this is wonderful. How divergent. Thank you for presenting this information. Yes. And fast forward a little bit again. By the time I looked back, I had developed relationships with, again, at the time I didn't know what it meant. Now I do. I developed a relationship with a startup ecosystem of vendors, and I had sold over $2 million in net new business through me making recommendations with my book of business, and they weren't even doing that direct to market. So 
People in different rooms that had never met each other kept giving me the same message. And that mess was, message was, Jonathan, damn, you know how to market this shit. How do you sell that? We can't sell it that way. What are you doing? How can we work with you? Come market for us. And then the beat of that drum became louder and louder, louder and louder until it became like hardcore offers, right? Like, I'll give you this amount of money. I'll offer you, I'll write you a check. I'll give you commissions. I'll give you equity. Come over here. Leave that. Come here. And at the time, I didn't want to leave the security of the job that I had, but it was super attractive to me. So that's when I started building success and quietly. Because I was like, one day I'm going to be brave enough to do this. Let me start building it now because I want a soft landing when I get there. So from February 2019 until September 2019, I was building what would become Successment until I got fired. They ambushed me with a, let's have a Friday meeting. It's going to be great. We have some, you know, we have stuff to discuss with you. I didn't know at the time because I wasn't, you know, I didn't know what that meant, corporate culture. You want a, an end of the week meeting at the end of the day. If you've been in corporate long enough, you know what the fuck that means. I didn't. So I naively collected all of my time. I'm like, oh my God, I'm either about to get a raise or they're about to congratulate me on all the speaking events that I've been to this year, or they're excited about the new volume of business that I've sold, or they're excited about the great new commissions that I brought into the department because this was how I was measuring success in my role. So I went in my folder all puffed up, my chest all out, and I was like, this is strange because the way that the office was set up was a nice courtyard outside. So they were like, let's have this meeting outside. So it was like the head of HR and then my manager. And as soon as I sit down, the head of HR slid me over what was going to be my severance package. So we're really excited for you on your next step. But, and today's your last day. And I, it took me a minute. It really took me a minute. And this was phase three where I stood up out of that seat. And I, th- I feel like they were nervous, like I was going to do something physical. But I said, you're making a big fucking mistake because I came here prepared to tell you how much value I've been bringing into this department in terms of dollars and cents. I so I've written not $1.7 million in premium. I've written $1.7 million in net new commission. And that's more than any of the senior account executives in this department. How dare you say that what I'm doing outside of work to grow my own flame isn't appropriate for this role. You're going to regret this. And as soon as I said that, I think I pissed myself just a little bit because I didn't know where this boldness came from. But I'm glad that I exited that way because, again, phase three for Jonathan. If I could have gone back to that moment in time as I am now, I would have told them exactly what I said in that moment. Because you have someone that you could have potentially converted into an intrapreneur for your firm, given him a nice little title couple thousand dollars more and at that time in my life i would have been thrilled give me an office a title and ten thousand dollar raise oh my baby woo! that in exchange for 1.7 million dollars in net new revenue that i brought in as a junior executive with absolutely no college experience or experience in the role and you telling me you're gonna let me go because you see me moonlighting and building a business on the side and i'm spending time outside getting myself known in the industry and bringing your company name with me that's inappropriate no i said you i said You were wrong then, and I would say you were wrong 10,000 times more today. And I left there, and with a growth mindset in mind, I said, you know what? I'm going balls to balls with Successment. I'm leaving New York 
I'm going to completely change and shed and metamorphosize. And this caterpillar is going to bust out its shell. And I want to turn into this big old butterfly. You know, my big old gay self. So I moved from New York to Florida. And I'm at, like, I made the decision in a matter of like three weeks. I was just like, yep, leaving. And I started pitching myself as a consultant and as, as, a, as a marketer at the time. More into how I've become known for growth overall but marketing is what I first started out coming out and doing. And I started building a relationship within the ecosystem of startups that, was, that were originally very impressed with me when I was working in the, in the corporate world. So, I mean, that's in essence how I traveled from New York to Florida, geographically. Wow, what a story and, and series of stories. I appreciate the organization and breaking it up in phases. That, that's very helpful. Now let's get into what is success meant? Like, talk to us about that and a quick follow-up after you get done talking about successment, or maybe you can incorporate this into your response. What is RevOps? Successment comes from the joining of two words that are the core of who I am and the purpose of why I built this business. It is success plus commitment equals successment. The success of diverse humans in technology and my personal commitment equals successment. Successment at its core, its impact is to build a bold economic future, selfishly for my daughter, who's my little, who's my little spoonful of black girl and Latin girl magic, okay? I want her to be able to walk into a room and for the first question not to be, Oh my God, you know how to cook? You're Latina. Oh my God, you know how to dance? You're black? I find that disgusting and inappropriate, and I've seen it done to a lot of women in my life. So I said, what am I going to do about building a future for my daughter? Well, I need to build economic growth and visibility for black, Latin, and queer human beings. And I said to myself, okay, how are you going to do that? And I said, well, we need to get them some money because there are plenty of people who raise awareness and there are plenty of people who are political and I'm not a politician. So I said, what is the best way that people make a lot of money? And I did a lot of searching and I said to myself, okay, the history of the world is either technology or real estate, people who control the space and people who innovate space. It goes down to like an atom, like that's the granularness of my thought process. And I said, well, don't exactly want to be a real estate, okay? So I can do technology because I already know it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to dedicate the superpower of successment, which we're very purposeful with, which we're very selective with, and which we're very discriminating with, which is igniting revenue. And our special place of power is partnering with entrepreneurs of color, of diverse background, of forgotten spaces, of overlooked origin, and saying, we're not only going to give you permission to grow your revenue, we're also going to give you the tools and science to do so. And that manifests as RevOps science, which combines the data that is contained within RevOps and the science behind revenue generation. And it put, takes revenue data and actions off the shelf and puts your revenue in motion. This is important because we focus on diverse startups and of course founders at or around the million dollar mark. Why is that significant? Because 
it is only but 7% cumulatively since, I'm confident that it was since 2014, 7% of the multi-billion dollar startup capital ecosystem has been non-white male. That was devastating to me to learn. I was like, how? Why? And then it turned into how fucking dare you? You know? Because that is a reflection of me and my community. So I said, you know what? I've been making a lot of money for people for a long time. I know how to do it. I'm specifically going to focus on entrepreneurs and startups at the million dollar mark. Why? Because it tells me that that person isn't like, and we all know the type, you know, sits down the block that she sells cookies and she does lashes and she has this side business and she sells t-shirts and she does repairs. She does it. I'm not fucking everything. I don't want to talk to those entrepreneurs. You're unfocused. Go do something over there. I can't help you. But if you are truly focused and you've been able to bootstrap or arrive at a destination where you're able to generate a million dollars for your business on your own without expert help, you deserve to be seen and you deserve the support that Successman can provide to get you to at least $10 million in revenue. When you're before a million dollars in revenue, you have an issue that I don't have the solution for yet, which is systematic discrimination in VC fundraising. I'm not a VC yet. Talk to me in a couple of years, Abraham. But I'm not a VC yet. So I can't save you there. But what I do do in many ecosystems that focus on diverse, diversity-led technology is I mentor. Maybe I tell people all the time, you can't afford me. We can be friends for free. As long as I like you and I believe in your mission, I will do everything that I can that is not going to cost me man hours or is not going to involve my team in getting you to a million. Because at a million, I know you can afford me. And at a million, I am in the best position possible to make sure that you grow. You grow defensively. You grow responsibly. You grow systematically. You grow predictably. You grow in a way that feels good without giving up your integrity. That's what I like to do. And that's not only from a mindset perspective, because I'm no Gary V. You know, that's from a, let's get into market. Let's do these campaigns. Let's find revenue. Let's a sharpen product. Let's do the value proposition. Let's do the market. Let's talk sales. Let's talk customer success. We get into all of that. But before you can arrive at the tactical, you have to focus on the strategic. Thank you for joining this week's episode of Diverse Tech Founders Podcast. I'm Abraham J. Williamson, and we had yet another great guest to pop in. And if you enjoyed today's podcast recording, please give us a rating. You can do it right now on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, and we'll see you next week.